I, uh, we are in a series right now called Grace to You, and uh, you saw the welcome video. If you are new to this series, uh, I think 16 years I've been um, teaching the word, uh, maybe longer than that, I don't know, uh, but I have, I've never taught on grace, mostly because I don't understand it, and I, I don't like it because it's too messy, and it's not defined. Grace is difficult because it's sloppy, and it's all over the place, and it breaks rules. Um, literally, it breaks the law, which is difficult. So we talked about that a little bit. And so as Paul was trying to reestablish culture in the New Testament, 20 years after Jesus is gone and the church has already started, the church is already off its rails and missing the whole point. And Paul is trying to say, grace, 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 grace. 27 times he either started, Paul, Peter, and John either started a New Testament book or closed one, wishing grace to God's people. What is grace? We define it this way. Uh, if mercy is not receiving what you do deserve, then grace is receiving something you simply don't deserve. And uh, so I'm trying not to rehash a lot because I've got a lot of content that I've got to uh, cram through. And, um, but if you want to learn more about grace, last week we talked about how, uh, how there was nothing you can do to earn God's grace nothing you can do to earn God's grace. I don't like that. Uh, I want to earn God's love, especially when I do wrong. I feel like it's easier for me to wait and wait to pray until I've done enough good to overcome my bad. Um, but that's not the way it works in God's love. He just says, I like you. And um, that's it. Today we're talking uh, grace to you. This is the third sermon in this series. And uh, my problem with this is um, the first sermon I've yet to actually teach. I, 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 was, I moved it to last week and last week I was like, no, no, I'll do it week three. And, uh, and then I moved it again week two, week three, and now I'm moving it to week four. So I'm doing week four today and we'll do week one next week. This is how my mind operates. Welcome to the way. And uh, I just couldn't get it right. This week, I, I'm, my question for you is, and uh, in, in thinking about grace, who's in your circle? You all know your circle. The, the, the few people that you would do anything for. They could call you any time of the day, any day of the week, and there's nothing that you wouldn't stop everything and do for. Maybe in your circle, there's uh, three people. Maybe in your circle, there's five. We all have a circle. Uh, Jesus had a circle. He had, he had 12 people, we know about them, traveled with everyone. And then Jesus actually had a smaller circle than that. He had a circle of three, where they were the only people that got to see him transfigure. And they were the only people that got to see Moses and Elijah come down from heaven. What, what? They were the only people that get, got to go into the room filled with doubters when the little girl died and everyone didn't believe. Jesus was like, hey, look, I'm only taking a couple of you guys in because the rest of you guys simply won't believe on what's going on. Uh, who's in your circle? the people that you would do anything for. Maybe it's only your family. Maybe it extends a little bit further. Today, I wanna to read you a story that most of you uh, are familiar with, and it's about who's in your circle. It comes out of uh, Luke 
chapter 15, verses 25 through 32. And the story is, is, is pr- probably familiar to a lot of people. It, it's called the prodigal son story. How, how many have heard of the story of the prodigal son? Uh, you may know a lot about it. You know, there was, there was uh, two brothers that lived in this rich man's house. And uh, the, the, the father of the two sons, one said, hey, look, dad, I'm kind of bored here and I don't really want to live here anymore. I want to go off and do my own thing. And the father says, great, here's half of my kingdom, son. You can take it and spend it and do whatever you want with it. And the son did just that. He went out and partied and he spent everything that he had until he was broke and he had spent everything in his life. And he realized he woke up one day very, very unfulfilled with where he was, kind of uh, disarrayed with like, man, what have I done with my life? And how did I get in this situation? Anyone ever find themselves in a spot where they had no idea how they got there? His son was in this situation and he kind of just said, man, this is terrible. The scripture says that he was feeding pigs one day, realizing that the pigs were going to eat better than him. And he said, I got to get home to my dad because I know at my dad's house, there's always enough food for me. Love that. I love that. I love that. So the son decides to go home where the scripture then starts, takes a different perspective, almost like if you would like a a movie film, it would tell another story of the father, the father standing at, at, at his door, looking up every day, wishing that his son would come home, wishing that his son would come home, wishing that his son would come home. And, and he sees his son one day. I imagine him uh, kind of just nasty, smelly, beat up, just kind of, just life had just kind of got to him. And his son knew he didn't have to get a shower before he came home. He just, uh, life was rough. And uh, he sees his father, and his father is so excited. The scripture says that he throws a robe over his son. I love that. Almost to just give him a whole new identity and say, once again, you're royal. Once again, you belong here. Once again, you're, you're perfect. You're mine. The scripture says he put a, a ring on his finger, and he, and, he, and he slaughtered the fatted calf. I don't really know what that means entirely, but, but that's, that's my favorite part of the story. Maybe it's just because there's steak involved. You know, I don't know. But, uh, uh, and so he, he, he slaughters the fatted calf. But anyways, uh, I think that that's super cool. He calls everyone, let's start the music. My son is home. My heart is full. And, uh, and, and that's uh, a big part of the story. That's the story of the prodigal son. But, uh, but today, I felt like the Lord uh, gave me a third camera angle, almost like if this is a movie. And I caught a glimpse this morning of something that broke my heart. And, um, and I realized some things that I, I, I had to share with you. The Lord, has, if I told you uh, that the, the Lord has been dealing with me about this series, that I've cried a lot. Uh, I cried uh, again this Monday. Uh, I'll tell you that story as we, as we get further. I, I've been crying a lot with this series. I've learned a lot about grace and a lot about what I've done wrong with grace. And so today I want to give you another view. The story's in Luke chapter 15, verse 25 through 32. Can we pray real quick? Dear Jesus, Lord God, help. Thank you. Amen. Jesus. Yes. Okay, cool. Here we go. Um, So uh, meanwhile, the older son was working in the fields. Let me stop there. Younger son comes back. Older son is doing his job working in the fields. Dude's been faithful like the sunrise. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, first of all, I'm already mad. If, if I'm this kid, I'm working, and you guys are having fun? Who, why didn't you come and get me? Like, this is awful. Uh, and, uh, and he says, uh, he asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he told him. And your father, he killed the fat calf. And we're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, and he replied, all these years I've slaved uh, for you, and you never once refused to do a, I've never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. 
And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast or with my friends. Yet his son of yours comes back after squandering money on prostitutes and you celebrate him by killing the fatted calf. I love it. He said it like multiple times. He's like, you gave him steak? And I'm like, oh, anyway, I'm sorry. I just really identify with this, this other review. And so his father said, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I caught a glimpse this week and I felt like our church needed to experience it. There was a perspective. I've learned that the longer I've been in Christ, the easier it can be for my vantage point to be wrong. See, the kid who all his life wanted to love his dad and wanted to earn his dad and wanted to earn respect from his dad, he missed it. Because you're never gonna earn your salvation. He didn't understand what was going on in his dad's heart. All his dad wanted was for all of his kids to be in his circle. You know the circle that you love? It was terrible the day that his brother looked over and goes, why, why him? Why not me? Why, why aren't you celebrating that I've been in the field working this whole time, dad? My son was lost, but now he's found he was dead but he's alive. He's alive. And the story stops here. And it's almost like you wonder where does the conversation go? Does his brother get it or is his brother still angry? Where does he go from here? Now, I know that as I read this, I think to myself, that's not me. I would never have a problem like that. Grace that's not practiced can become an ugly culture. Jesus saw a lot of this. We were watching a television show a couple weeks ago with our kids and they made a joke on television about the old, rude church lady. And, uh, and I realized that there's a label on Christians. Now, it's no different that's happening in the heart of every man. The problem is when you wear the identity of a Christian, there's an expectation that you're supposed to look like Jesus. And when we come off looking anything not like Jesus, it gives them a motive and a reason to not also respond to Jesus because they don't want to respond to us. Does that make sense? My first question is, who's in your circle? And my next question is, who's, who's not in your circle? Who is... Who, if they called you, would you not want to get off the couch for? Would you not want to give of your bank account for? Would you not want to spend time and go out of your way and stop to help? Who is it that you find a difficult time giving grace to? Something they don't deserve. Who's out of your circle? As I 
Uh, a few months ago, I was reading this story, and, uh, and, and I had to read it again for this series. And so I'm reading this story, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a story to you, and I'm, then I'm going to tell you a story that was happening as I was reading this story. I was in the car line of, uh, of school. Have you ever been in, in, in school car lines before? At our, at our school with our kids, it's, it, I'm not exaggerating, I counted the blocks for you. It's seven blocks long, y'all. Eric, that's what I go through at your wife's school, seven blocks. <laughs> Because that's how much I love my kids. Anyways, uh, and I, I, I had to re-listen to a story that I already knew about that I forgot what it was about. And then when I learned what it was about, I realized that I had missed the whole point. Uh, I'm going to take you real quick to the story of Jonah. Jonah is a story in the Old Testament. And uh, it, what happens is uh, most people know uh, about Jonah. We, we learned about him when we were little kids. Sunday school, some of you, I, I didn't go to Sunday school, but I imagine like the little felt paper and the little picture of Jonah. And then like, we just put the whale right on top of Jonah. You know, <laughs> and so uh, here, here's, here's what happens in the story of Jonah. You got to hear this. Uh, it starts off in chapter one and he says, uh, the, Jonah is a really short chapter, a short book. It's only got four, it's all on one page here. You know, it's, a, it's like, it's a four, four little books. And he says, the Lord gave him a message to Jonah, the son, uh, of someone. He said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against these people because I have seen the wicked that its people have done. And, but, but Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarsus and he bought a ticket and went aboard hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarsus. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have found in my life every time that I've run away from God, I've ran right back into him. And uh, this is the story of Jonah, uh, the first story. So what happens is, is God wants Jonah to go and do something for his kingdom. Jonah doesn't want to. So Jonah goes the opposite direction. And what happens is in the first chapter, he gets on a boat. There's with all these people that are strangers. There's this terrible storm that comes and uh, everyone on the boat thinks they're going to die. Jonah realizes it's his fault because God's ticked at him. And he's like, you guys should probably throw me in the ocean. They're like, we won't do that, Jonah. We're going to throw everything else off. And then they're like, you know what, change of plans, let's throw Jonah in the ocean. And uh, that's where Jonah gets eaten by a whale, right? And so Jonah gets eaten by a whale. He's, he's, he's in the belly of a whale and he's crying out to God, God, I'm sorry. I realize I've done wrong. I'll do anything you want me to do in my life. Send me. So God spits him out, of the, the, the whale spits him out. He ends up on the shore. He goes to Nineveh and does what God wants him to do. He preaches the gospel for multiple days walking through the city and everyone in the city hears what God is saying to them. It grips their heart and they realize, oh man, this is awesome. And so they, 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 the king repents. The whole, he declares a decree over the whole city. I've seen this happen in multiple countries where the president gets saved and the whole country begins to get saved. And so this is what happened in Nineveh, everyone began to turn to the Lord. And then the Lord looks at Nineveh and goes, you know what? I was going to destroy you, but I've changed my mind. You guys actually done good things. Jonah gets ticked off. And this is the story of Jonah. Many of you don't know it. This is the, where the conversation picks up. God changes his mind that he doesn't want to destroy Nineveh. Chapter four. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. 
I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive uh, if, if what I predicted will not happen. What? I caught a glimpse this week of our circles. I caught a glimpse of the heart of the body of Christ and the people that we love and the people that are not in it. I caught a glimpse of Jonah. Now I'm sitting, I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I kid you not. I am listening to the Bible on tape, sitting in my car, in a car line, seven blocks long, y'all. And I am waiting patiently like every Christian does, right? Super kind. Everything's wonderful. And there's a car in front of me and a car in front of them and a car in front of This goes on and on and people behind me. And this lady pulls alongside me and moves her car in to move her bumper about six inches in front of my car. Six inches. I was so angry. I don't know about you, but there's rolls to this crap. And that is definitely not one of them. You cannot, there is a line. Like someone knows that there are rolls for this and you get in the back of the line. Like lady, what is happening? And she's sitting right next to me. She can see me, but she's not looking at me. She knows that I'll tell her she's number one if she looks over here. You don't know about, I will tell her. Like, I was thinking about opening my car and just going down the side of her car, all happy-like, waving at her, turning back around, getting, I thought of so many things that I can do. And then the audio Bible said Jonah's heart. And I started crying. Because the Lord set me up, man. I'm telling you right now. Like, that lady was a divine appointment. It was a gift from God only for me to realize I'm wicked. And as I thought about it, I saw it again and again and again and again in scriptures. I, for the sake of time, I can't get into it. But there's a, there's a, there's a Bible story about, about um, uh, uh, the workers in the vineyard. Oh, it's the worst story in the entire Bible. If you haven't read it, don't read it. This guy woke up in the morning, got hired, and went out to work, worked the whole day. The owner of the vineyard went shopping, saw some people standing around, said, hey, you want a job? Go to work. The guy said, cool. Then the guy went back out a little bit later, about noon, found some more people. Hey, you need a job? Sure. Go to work. Then about three o'clock, found some more people. Hey, you want a job? Go to work. End of the day, they all came in, and he's paying them a full day's wage. Full day's wage. The guy who worked all day long goes, wait a second, I got the same amount as him. Yeah, so? That ain't what I signed up for, Jack. What? It's exactly what you signed up for. What are you talking about? I found this again and again and again and again. That God's gracious. Now, this doesn't make sense to me because rhythmically, I kind of feel like I deserve more because God loves me. Deserve more than who? I want you to understand that Christianity, some of us got it wrong. Yes, God loves you. Absolutely loves you. Head over heels and love you. He thinks that you're weird and quirky and have a weird personality and your sense of humor is straight odd, some of you. But he loves you. But he also loves 
the guy sitting next to you. Look, I, I've seen righteous people die of cancer and unrighteous people die of cancer. I've seen people receive things they simply did not work for, buying steak and all kinds of stuff with money that they shouldn't have. And I've, I've worked all this and God, where's mine? I've been faithful. I have, given, I have given money that I couldn't afford to give to people who needed it when they were in a jam and I feel like I should get more now, right? And this comparison thing happens and it is ugly. And I caught a glimpse this week of my circle and who's not in my circle. Check this out. Uh, there are multiple stories where Jesus would talk about the circle and how important the circle is to him. We know the story of the 99 sheep, right? Oh, there was a hundred. One walked away. Like, let that sheep go. He, he wanted to leave. Let him go. Jesus left the 99. He left the church to go find the stinky, smelly, dumb sheep. And then Jesus carried the sheep back. Like if it was dumb enough to walk away. No, 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 you don't know the perspective that he has and the love that he has for all. But I caught a glimpse of the 99 frustrated. This is one that I don't like. I've been excited about this message because I feel like if this can get in our hearts, like if we could love people, oh man, forget about it. If we could love. Check this out. Man, I gotta go quick. Luke chapter uh, 18, verse uh, nine through 14. There's a story about two people praying. You may know the story, you may not. And then Jesus told the story of some who had a great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned somebody else. Let me reread that because you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. Then Jesus told the story of someone who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Everyone else outside their circle. Two men went to the temple to pray. Let me ask you something. Why is it that we would not do something for people outside our circle? It's not because we're not generous. Surely we're all generous, right? It's because we feel like the people in our circle deserve it. And for some reason, the people outside our circle don't. Why? Righteous and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. Jesus tells the story. Why is Jesus telling this story? Because he sees it all the time. This is our heavenly father looking down from heaven. This is our heavenly father looking down from heaven. If we love him, this story is significant because he's giving us a glimpse of his heart. One was a Pharisee and the other was despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Stop there. I've never said that prayer. I want you to know it. 
my heart of heart, I've never said that prayer. But I have. When I write these messages, I let them get me first. So here's what I found in my own heart, and it ripped me to shreds. I have judged black people. I've labeled them. There are some parts of town that I don't like going to. Anyone else? I have judged white people. There's some that I feel like is a lower class. And I don't like going to their parts of town. Anyone else? And I thank you, God, that I'm not like them. I've said that prayer. I have judged Spanish people. I've, I've even judged illegal people. Why? I've judged godless people. I've judged Muslim people. And I thank you, God, that I'm not like that. Have we judged gay people? Transvestite people? Homeless, smelly people? How about rude people? I thank you, God, that I'm not like that lady yelling in the, in the, in the store. Have you judged poor people? Some of us judge rich people. Man, I've judged managers and I've judged part-time workers. I've judged, uh, this week, I've seen the divide so much. I was Googling this week to hear someone sing Amazing Grace. I just wanted to hear a different translation, uh, a version of it. And you know what I saw? I saw President Obama singing Amazing Grace. And underneath it, I saw people ripping him to shreds. That's all for, it's all an act. It's all he would do. He, it, it's, it's terrible. Like, why would he sing something like that? You know that he doesn't mean it. Is there anything better that you would rather him actually read, even if it was fake? I saw President Trump reading Amazing Grace. And in the comments, people ripping him to shreds. Why? Because they're not in their circle. And what happens when people outside of our circle that don't act like us, that don't think like us, that don't wash their body like us, that don't act, how do we give them rights to become part of our circle? Grace. It's freely given to me. I love the story of the prodigal son when I'm the son that gets to come home to the father. I don't like it so much when I'm the one working in the vineyard. But it's all for my father. It has nothing to do with me. This week, it's come to life. You know, you know what I realized this week? God, God, God ripped my heart apart. Kanye West. Oh, I love him now. Telling everyone about Jesus. He's telling more people about Jesus than anyone that goes to our church. Any pastor that I even know currently, Kanye West is telling more people about Jesus than him. Now he's in my circle. Six years ago at the VMA Awards, 
I hate that guy. That guy's a jerk. I hate people like him. I thank God that God used someone else to bring him into our circle. Why is it that people that don't act like us can't be in our circle? Some of us still don't want him in our circle. I caught a glimpse this week of the problem that the Father has with the body of Christ choosing who gets to come and who does not. This isn't politics. This is the kingdom. And it has to transcend everything because people are the only thing that matter. Not just your people. I caught a glimpse this week. And I realized it. I have to finish this story. So Jesus told the story of the Pharisee praying that I'm certainly not like this tax collector. I thank God that I'm not like these other people, these adulterers, these cheaters, these sinners, and I'm certainly not a tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. But listen to this, but the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. And instead he beat his chest in sorrow and saying, oh God, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus says this, I tell you, that this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. And that was a message to me. Man, it could be a dangerous thing to label people. I'm glad that you're right. But man, we can be right and be wrong at the same time. Here's my third point. How do we bring people into our circle? Man, I've, I'm gonna go over on time. Rachel, would you come? Or Deb, someone. <laughs> I found multiple stories where Jesus brought people into his circle that didn't belong. I love the little story of the children. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. The disciples are saying, no, Jesus, we don't have time for that. They're just little kids. And Jesus let them come. What about the Pharisee? Or what, 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 what about the, 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 the sinners, the tax collectors, the wine bibbers, the gluttons, the prostitutes? He made time for those that was rejected by the church. He made time to embrace those that were rejected by the church. Now, there's this story here. And I love it, I love it, I love it. You've heard it. I've said it. Here we go. John chapter four, verse seven through nine. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water at the well and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. The lady's like, hey, look, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not like you. What are you talking to me for? And Jesus uh, you are a Jew and, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Like it's so wonderful when people that don't expect kindness and kindness comes out. It, it, people don't know how to handle it. Like, all right, lady, I know you didn't earn this spot in the car line, but come on in. 
The story continues here, and he says this, just as his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman, but no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? But they all were thinking it. This is terrible. This is what we're doing. What's she want? Then leaving her jar, listen to this, please listen to this, please listen to this. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, hey, eat something. And he said to them, I have food that you know nothing about. His disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? No, 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 no. Therefore, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me to work. I need you to hear this. This is what Jesus, this is, this is God talking. Jesus said, I ate. Oh man, I ate so much just now. Did you see the look on that lady's face? Man, she was stoked. I gave her life. She went and told everyone she knows. I had the coolest moment. You guys are worrying about quesadillas. And I'm telling you, I just had the best moment of my week. I've been walking around with you guys for months and I had one moment. You need to know, you need to know, listen, listen, listen. Some of us are bored spiritually and we're starving. We're eating steak and quesadillas and whatever else you want like eating. And Jesus is saying, you want food? Give grace to someone. Spend a moment with someone. Watch the look in their eyes and you'll be alive for the first time. God has given us purpose. I love to see the look in people's eyes when they get purpose. When you have a moment with someone that doesn't deserve grace, when you bring someone into your circle and they experience life, when they experience love, when they experience value, there's nothing like that. That's eating. That's life. And we're not living until it's happening. We can be in the family of God, but we don't get it. Our father loves all of his children. And when anyone gets to come into the house, man, he celebrates. And you will too. You don't even have to lead them in the sinner's prayer. But man, when you do something kind, you'll go home telling people, you know what I did yesterday, man? I met this lady, I bought them groceries. It was so cool. The kids were excited. I, got a, I bought them a Snickers bar. The lady was ticked at me, but the kids were so happy. And it was... <laughs> I thought of the story of, of, of the thief on the cross. No room in Jesus' circle, man. But there's room for you, brother. You are in right now. Right now. The woman caught in adultery. There's room in his circle and it doesn't fit ours. The guy's a thief. The woman's a prostitute. Come on. What would it look like if homeless people just filled the church? These people would be like, they smell. I'm going to find another. I'll come to second service, Pastor. <laughs> I have to say this. This is my close. Grace to you. I caught a glimpse of another perspective, maybe it was my heart, and it can't be, it can't be. We have to rid ourselves of judgment so that our motive is love and grace. The moment I experience grace, it's easier for me to give grace. And if I give grace, I give life. And if I give grace, I give life. And we gotta stop judging Kanye West or other people 
when they don't look or act like us. I'm sorry, I have to read two more verses and then we'll... Verse um, 35, Pat. John 4, 35. Jesus said, my, my, my food is to do the, the will. And then he says, verse 35, he says, you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest, but I tell you, open your eyes and look. The fields are ripe for the harvest. There are people in your life that are broken, that are judged. Some of them are rich, some of them are poor. Some of them are divorced, some of them are married. Some of them are abandoned, beat up by their manager, beat up by their, by, by I don't know. What a great opportunity to go in and say, God's got a plan and he hasn't left you and he's never gonna leave you and I'll be a friend and if you wanna come to our house and have dinner this week. I say I'll have to read this verse to you here. This is in James chapter two. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, grace. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who is not merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Please hear this body of Christ. Please hear this ones working in the vineyard. Please hear this those that have been in the church for 20 years. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Let us be filled with love. Let us bring people into our circle. Let us have purpose this week to look for those that are abandoned by this world. Look, my, my, my hope today is, is not to be rude, but speaking on behalf of the Father right now is my job. And I've found in my own heart sometimes that there are some people that have no priority in my life. And, uh, and first, I wanna change that because I am so thankful that Jesus found me. And the same love that he has given to me he is weeping that his other children would come home. My first prayer is for all of you today that are saints, that God would break your heart for those that don't know the love of God. We gotta stop being right. We gotta learn to give grace.